Welcome to the Refresh Moms podcast. I'm Deanna Mason, your host, and I'm so happy to have you here. Um, if you're keeping up with me or you listen to the last episode at minimum, you know that um, I'm currently not in a season of publishing weekly. As far as I know, I've had to make some room for Bible study. I'm enrolled in a Bible school um, just to catch people up, and it's a nine-month Bible school. We've just knocked out the first five weeks. So I have about eight months to go, a little less. And we'll be finishing in December. And um, just rabbit trail. A lot of people have asked me, what are you getting at the end of this? Are you getting some type of certification? Are you going to be <laughs> licensed as a minister? I've just getting, I've gotten all types of questions on um, what's the end game after the nine months. And this is an accredited um, Bible school. Many of the students will take the um, credits that they earn and apply them to seminary or other college endeavors. I don't have any plans or desires to go to seminary. (laughs) I definitely don't have any plans to going back to college. The only reason why I enrolled is because I wanted a season of studying the Bible in a kind of uh, what is the word in, in, in like an immersion experience that that was my priority and main focus in regards to my time and my goodness it has become the priority and focus of my time you know sands that my family and my children need from me but it's been quite a five weeks it's been quite a um, shock to the system this is about a 50 hour I've I've been mapping it, just trying to see how many hours am I really spending. Um, I'm probably averaging around 50 hours a week in class time, um, travel back and forth to class and doing homework. So somewhere between 50 and 55 hours is probably where I'm at, at least right now. And um, maybe I'll get more efficient as I um, learn to process through my homework faster, but that's kind of where I am. And I have to shave, you know, a lot of the things that I've normally been doing for Refresh Moms, for needle movers and um, client work, consulting work in order to be able to do this well. And podcasting is one of the things that I um, gave myself permission to not commit to on a weekly rhythm. But I do love recording podcasts, not just because it's something to do, not because of a marketing tool, but it captures things that I want to share. It captures messages that I want to share and get out to the world, not just my voice, but the voices of other people. And it's, I feel like it's a ministry tool that I have submitted to God whenever he wants me to plug in the mic and to chat, I'm committing to him that I will do that. And this morning is one of those things that I felt um, inspired to share and talk. Um, I've been wanting to talk for a while, but I'm learning to, what's the word? This is like even one of the things that I would love to share. I'm learning to not depend so much on what I want to do and yield to what I'm, what I'm sensing he is asking of me. That's a muscle that is being exercised in, um, cultivate it right now because I don't think I do it very well. 
Um, I think I have a tendency to want to keep things held tightly and to be in as much control as possible. And I am definitely in an unraveling season of letting things go and learning what God's true provision, not just like materially or financially, but his true provision actually is and what it looks like and feels like for Deanna Mason and the Mason home in 2022. And this is actually the direction I want to go in today. I want to talk about the God who sends and the God that provides. Um, I just have five things that I wanted to share. I am currently journeying through the gospel of Luke. Last week, I completed the gospel of Mark. So I've done two gospels thus far and a handful of epistles before we hopped into the gospels. Um, if you don't know me, I am a Pauline geek. I love Paul. I love reading about Paul. Next week or this Sunday, we start Acts. I'm like, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to study Acts. I am a Paul fan. Um, I just, I just love his ministry and I love his ministry to the Gentiles. It just, it's just such, it's, I don't know. I just love studying him and I love learning um, him and in, understanding how he teaches theology and holds people accountable to their behavior as he teaches theology. Um, but I have to tell you, these gospels are um, eye-opening for me. The ministry of Jesus is incredible. He's so smart. He's so beautiful. And learning how he, or becoming more familiar, I should say, with how he committed his life those last three years of living on this earth to very specific ministry is completely transforming my heart. And I don't know if the theme of provision is going to carry me throughout the entire nine-month school experience. But this first trimester, I cannot open the scriptures without him screaming into my heart, Deanna, let me teach you about my provision. Let me teach you this part of who I am. I am the God that provides. I want you to know what that actually is, but I got to teach you in order for you to know how I provide. And the more I lean into trusting that he really is the God of provision, the more free my life becomes. And I know that many of the listeners of this podcast are women that are entrepreneurial, um, slight rabbit trail, uh, entrepreneurial gifts are very, very closely tied or closely compared to those of apostleship gifts. I just want you to know that. Um, what you're calling entrepreneurial may have its roots in a gift and apostleship. I just wanted to, to share that with you. But um, I know there's other women that are like me that have like things that we believe God is, is sharing with us and how he wants us to serve people. And there's this conflict consistently of how do I completely surrender to the way I believe he's wanting me to serve and um, help people. 
and still be, be financially sustained, it's this, I got to make money, but I really want to help people. <laughs> I got to make, and then there's all types of things that we've convinced ourselves into being right, you know, that, you know, you deserve to be paid your value and your time is worth um, being paid, you know, all the things that culture has taught us on how to self-advocate and how to feel good about charging for the things we do. And I'm definitely not saying that we shouldn't. There are elements of my work that I, I completely um, feel fine about charging for. Um, but what he is guiding me in is not necessarily trying to teach me why I shouldn't charge my stuff. That's not it. I'm not teaching that. I don't want you to hear that as I teach this. But what he is what he is saying is, Deanna, I am calling you into a different season of work and of ministry that is going to require you to let go of the ways that you know how to bring in finances. That I do know is happening. And I'm I welcome the release of the things that I use to um, pay my bills and to support my family. I welcome the release of that because it just frees up my brain and my time and my energy for the things that my heart, my heart burst to do, which is ministry, which is teaching the Bible. Gosh, I didn't realize how much I really want to teach this Bible. I really want to teach it. I really want to be in rooms with, you know, small groups of people around this world and just teach how to read this Bible in order for the Bible to transform their hearts. Um, I want to share scripture for those that don't know Jesus in order for scripture to draw them to him. Um, I want to be skillful at articulating the gospel message um, in a way that draws those that have never heard of him to him. I just want to do that. And I want to do that for the rest of my days. And in order for me to be able to submit to what I think is a next leg of my work, um, I got to let go of the ways I know to bring in provision, which is why I wanted to talk today. And I may have more, I'm sure I will have more insights on how God is guiding me through learning how he is the God that provides. Um, but today I'm going to share these five things. So um, once again, I'm in the book of Luke. I'm going to allow whatever I share to be as organic um, as possible based off of what he's uh, revealing to me as I study. Um, and right now I'm in Luke. So everything I'm going to share today is going to um, be based off of scripture in the book of Luke. So there's just five things I want to talk about the God who sends and the God who provides in Luke chapter nine. And I'm going to cover some scriptures in Luke nine and 10. And if you hear my papers rattling, it's because I literally have my Bible in front of me. Um, the first thing I want to talk to you about is. Um, well, I want to walk through five things that God has revealed to me about his nature, who he is and how he works. Okay. The first thing is that he is the God that teaches. Um, and there's three main things that I see that he teaches and that Jesus is teaching in the gospels. 
at least in the first two that I've studied. I haven't done Matthew and John yet, (laughs) but in Mark and Luke, these three things are obvious that Jesus is trying to teach. First of all, he's trying to teach who he is. You know, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah. Um, But they had a very, very skewed understanding on who the Messiah actually is. And so he spent a lot of time teaching about who he was. He is. Because he's still living, right? Who he is. He teaches who he came to save. I've spent so much of my Christian experience believing that Jesus did not have a ministry to the Gentiles when he was on this earth. I don't know where that came from, where I picked that up. Um, I'm pretty sure it has his roots in the scripture uh, where the, um, the Gentile woman is asking him to heal her child and he seemingly rejects her. And she says, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table, um, which is basically in her brain. I know that this is, you know, what it seems she's communicating. I know that you didn't come for me, but um, I, can I still not benefit from the crumbs that fall? And, you know, ultimately what that, I can't, I can't get into that passage right now, but ultimately, ultimately that passage was Jesus revealing to those that he was teaching who he actually came to save. Um, Cause the Jews thought they can't, he came to save them. <laughs> he came for them. And now it's, I can read through the gospels and, uh, and you may have already been able to do this. This is just my personal journey. I can read through the gospels and see over and over and over again, his ministry to Gentiles, which was blowing the minds of his disciples because they also believed that he came for the Jewish community, the Jewish, Jewish people. So he had to do some teaching around who he actually came to save, which was the world. He came to save the world. So he taught who he is. Who is the son of God? Who is the son of man? Who is the Messiah? Who he came to save, which was the world, and who his followers were to be. He had to teach them new ways of being um, and them being everyone from the, the leaders to just the you know regular average person, he had to teach them how to be as a follower of the Messiah. So my first thing is God is a God that teaches and he's, his heart is to teach, to equip um, through his teaching so that we can understand and we can learn and we can know. And it's, and it's continuous. Um, There's something else that I am seeing is how the disciples just, it took them all the way through the resurrection to understand who he really was. They didn't believe fully. They understood in part, which is refreshing because that lets me know I don't have to understand it all. I don't have to know it all. He'll still talk with me and commune with me and, and, um, and be with me and love me as he's teaching me. 
So just know that you have a lifetime of walking with Jesus and he's going to be your teacher the entire time. All right. So number two, not only is he a God that teaches, he's a God that requires. And when I'm saying requiring, I'm specifically talking about requiring radical obedience. Okay. I want to read a passage in in Luke chapter nine. I really wanted to read a scripture for that first one. Uh, Let me take a look at it real quick to see if I want to circle back. Yeah. So just really quickly to circle back to the God that teaches and seeing how this was a slow drip for the disciples to really understand who he was. Um, Nine chapter 18 says, once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and others that one of the ancient prophets, prophets has arisen. And he said to them, but who do you say? that I am. So he's, they're communicating the confusion of people, right? They don't really know who you are. This is what, this is what they're saying. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered the Messiah of God. And this is the first time that we actually see this understanding by just one disciple, at least it's the one that's been recorded, that he's least gotten to the point that you are the Messiah. You, Jesus, a man in a physical body that was um, raised by Mary and Joseph, um, that has brothers and sisters, that is from Nazareth, (laughs) I am saying that you are the Messiah, all right? So God teaches who he is, who he's come to save, and who his followers are, all right? Now let's hop into number two. God requires, and he requires radical obedience. So something else that I noticed in Jesus's ministry is um, this urgency for his ministry. So if you're reading the gospels, anytime you see an, and suddenly and an immediately and left all and followed, um, you're seeing the quick responses, the quick, um, the, the um, rapid movement of request and response. Um, the urgency that was behind Jesus doing what he came to do before his resurrection. Um, it's just, it just might be fun just to do a word search on how many times does immediately appear in each of the gospels in suddenlies. <laughs> in Luke chapter 10, verse nine, I'm sorry, Luke chapter nine, verse 57 through 62. There's a section on, um, what my Bible refers to as would-be followers of Jesus. I want to read this um, really quickly. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Okay, so this is, I'll follow you. I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So as these people are saying they will follow him, he is painting a clear picture of the, the cost, all right? And to another, he said, Jesus is saying, follow me to another. And the person responded, Lord, first, let me go bury my father. 
let me do this first and then I'll come and follow you. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That sounds like insensitive, doesn't it? But he's, he's trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach them about the urgency of obedience. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And the very next section goes into him sending 70 disciples out. And we're going to hop into that next. So this is the the pre the pre-action that's happening before he chooses 70 more disciples. 70 more, which is if another rabbit hole, just um, his ministry had grown to the point that 70 people radically obeyed, not just the 12, but 70 on top of that radically obeyed to leave all and follow. So as you step into um, the work that you believe God has put in your heart, just know that sooner or later, and, and it's not even like this big, huge thing. Radical obedience shows up in just like your everyday, daily activities. It'll sneak up on you. Like you'll be doing something that you always do. And in the midst of it, there'll be a uh, request to obey in something that all of a sudden becomes extremely radical. Um, so it's not like this big event that you're waiting for. Radical obedience is more than one time. It's not this is one event. It's in these little decisions that we're making daily as we're just going through life. And the principle of faithful, being faithful steward over small things is how you become faithful over much. It's not in an effort to make you more important or more seen. It's just that principle of exercising the muscle of I obey here, I obey here, I obey here. And the, the more you're able to steward the small radical choices of obedience or choices to obey, you're able to hold the things that might seem a little bit more you know, for the regular person, it'll seem like that was a huge thing to to say yes to, or that was a huge thing to take on. And, and for you, it's not huge because your muscles have grown to the point that you can hold it. But from the other person looking in, they're like, I could never do that. I could never, you know, like people say that to me about me deciding to go to school. I could never do that and raise kids. And it's, and it's not like I'm special. I'm not special at all. But apparently somewhere along the way, I had exercised a muscle of being able to say yes um, radically, trusting in the God who provides. All right. So I don't know what radical obedience looks like to you today, but just know that when it presents itself, you'll know it. <laughs> And he is calling his disciples to obey radically, urgently and suddenly, <laughs> immediately. All right. The third thing, God is also the God who sends. So he's teaching you. 
he, um, as he's teaching you, there's going to come times where he's going to require your radical obedience around the things he's taught. <laughs> and then he loves to send. He loves to send out. So I refer to this already, but let's go ahead and read Luke 10, 1 through 3. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others. After he like weeded through all these other people. So he was out, obviously having conversations with people about following him. And people were like, yeah, I'm going to do that, but let me go take care of this, right? So out of that conversation, there were 70 people that radically obeyed, all right? And after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in Paris to every town and place where he himself intended to go. So they were going before him, all right? He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. I used to think, this is Robert Trail. I used to think that he was saying we don't have enough laborers. I don't believe that anymore. Now, I could be wrong. My theology could be wrong on this. But when I read that now, I don't. I no longer see he doesn't have enough laborers. <laughs> I just see that only, I don't think everybody radically obeys. That's what I think. I think there are enough laborers to do what God has intended to do. Enough obedient laborers. I do. (laughs) I do. But I don't think God is like, I'm in shortage of laborers. I don't think that. Like I said, I could be wrong. That's a Deanaism, a rabbit trail. All right. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. So when you radically obey, you just have to know that there's, there's a, he's going to send you out. He's going to send you out. All right. And I don't know what your send out looks like. (laughs) It could be something as huge as being sent to you know, some unknown part of the world to go teach the gospel, or it could be something a lot less dramatic. (laughs) I don't know what it means to be sent for you, but he will send. Um, 18 months ago, gosh, almost two years ago, what did it look like to be sent for me? I started a nonprofit organization needle movers for social equity. Um, I felt like he sent me. They didn't mean like all the pieces were in place to do the totality of the work that was in my heart. We're we're doing the work, but it's little pieces at a time. As provision, finances come in, um, as people and skill and um, leadership comes in, the work is being done. But it was, Deanna, will you do this? Follow me. Yes, I will do this. Radical obedience and needle movers was where I was sent. Okay. So it doesn't have to look like, you know, what in our brains we're thinking, some missionary journey, you know, across the ocean. It could, but I'm just saying, I don't know what your scent looks like, but he will send. All right. Number four. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to. Um, I'm, you don't know that I'm switching these, but 
I'm, I'm switching these two because I want to end in a certain place. Number four, God empowers when he sins. Okay. So you don't have to worry about feeling ill-equipped because I feel ill-equipped every single day. I feel ill-equipped, even though I do have a, one of the, my areas of sin is arrogance. This is something that I have to intentionally um, keep out of my life is me being so arrogant about my ability that I don't need to lean and rely on Jesus or anybody else for that matter. It's just, it's so ugly, but it's something that I've realized that I've, I've walked in for, for a long time and arrogance is tied to insecurity somewhere. (laughs) So whatever insecurity has sparked this arrogant behavior of mine, you know, it's like, I hate it. I hate it. And whenever it pops its head up, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm asking God to help me identify it in order for me to eliminate it. Um, but I don't know why I got on that rabbit trail, but I want to talk about how he empowers. Um, you don't have to know how to do everything. I didn't know. I have no background in, um, social equity work. And so when he told me to do needle movers, um, I felt so ill-equipped and I still do to this day, but what is so kind of him is the work that he's asking me to do. He's like, you thought it was supposed to look like this, but I'm actually asking you to do this. And I, and now I'm like, Oh, I can see, I can see myself doing that. You know, I don't see myself going into companies and teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion workshops. I don't see that, but what I absolutely can clearly see is, um, teaching the Bible around equity topics. I can see that completely. How does God view equity and diversity and cultural competence and justice? What is his perspective? How does he view it? Does he have an opinion around systemic racism And did he even come to, to destroy it? (laughs) Um, Just so you know, I don't think he came to destroy systemic racism. I think he came to grab the hearts of those that perpetuate the system for him. I feel like the time is better spent saving souls than fighting, fighting broken systems. That's that's something for another day. And that's probably something for the Needle Movers podcast. So I just wanted to wanted to um, rabbit trail that since I brought it up. But my whole point is you don't have to be, you don't have to feel equipped. Matter of fact, it's even better if you don't feel equipped because it, it just puts you in more dependence upon him. It, it, it forces you to get on your knees and say, God, what will you have me to do? Because I cannot do this. But he loves to empower um, I'm going to read Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven, like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, I love this part. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this is a great scripture for me to remind me of the sin of arrogance, (laughs) but they were so excited that they were able to go out and actually see fruits. And he was like, basically saying, look, 
there's more to there's more where that came from. Do you not understand that I was around when Satan was defeated <laughs> or thrown out into heaven? I should say. Look, I, yeah, I I can make I can empower you to tread on his head, but you're focusing on the wrong thing. You shouldn't be rejoicing at the fact that you have power. <laughs> you should be rejoicing in the fact that you belong to me. And when people belong to me, they have power over him. <laughs> We're not rejoicing in the fact that we bear fruit. So let me say it like this. It's not that I bear fruit, therefore I'm his. All right. That's not it. I bear fruit. I do this. And because um, I'm able to do this, I therefore belong to him. No, it's the, it's the other way around. I belong to him. Therefore I bear fruit. Okay. We are to rejoice in the fact that I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. And when I belong to him, my life just bears fruit. God empowers, right? Obey when he sends you. Um, you don't have to be equipped. don't have to feel equipped to what he's sending you to do. But just know that when he sends you, he will empower you. And it's not about your ability. It's about his ability through you to get it done. All right. And the last one. God provides. He is the God of provision. And the trick is you've got to allow him to be that in your life. Herein lies my struggle. Um, Luke chapter 10, verses four through six, carry no personal bag. Okay. So he's just, he's sending them out with these instructions, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who share, that I miss a verse that, oh, nope. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. So now he's, he's giving them instructions on how to receive provision, right? For the laborer deserves to be paid. Okay. So this is where some of our confusion comes in regards to getting paid for our work. Now, it's not that I do, I have this value, therefore I should be paid. That is not what that scripture, that is not the context of this scripture. <laughs> and we've done a very good job taking it out of context. And I, I may have taken it out of context um, before. Um, but he's basically saying that if you are sent by me in I am telling you, don't bring your own means of provision. I'm letting you know that that doesn't just because I'm telling you not to bring your own provision that you're not worthy to be provided for. Okay. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing for people to provide for you in this way. So you got to let them do it. You got to let them do it. Now, not everybody is going to do it. If you read further <laughs> In this chapter, this is where it gets really uncomfortable. Some people are going to reject you. But 
don't pay it. Don't, don't focus on those people. Focus on where I am or who I'm using to be provision for you. That is very uncomfortable in modern day 2022. I can only assume that it was probably uncomfortable back then too, but we live in a very individualistic culture here in America and the the thought of others coming in to care for us is very, I mean, humbling is not even the word. It's, it's for many people, embarrassing. Um, I have people on, on my needle mover staff that feel very uncomfortable fundraising when it's time to fundraise. They don't want to ask people in their circles to donate money, which is completely a cultural, that's something that culturally um, we've picked up. Uh, it's a, it, it looks weak. It looks like um, we're asking for handouts and it's absolutely not the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is very, very community oriented and it's very, very, we all work together to advance the kingdom, to take care of each other. That really is the culture of the kingdom. But it's very countercultural to what we know here in America. And so it becomes, it feels very, very uncomfortable. Just because it feels uncomfortable doesn't mean that the way God provides isn't relevant and shouldn't be trusted. So we have to do the work on adjusting our comfort levels to submit to how he is providing. Now, I am not saying that he's telling you to ask for handouts because that's not what he's telling them. He's just saying, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to provide for you. And this is, this is how I'm going to provide. So when he is teaching you his provision, he may ask you to divorce yourself from what you normally would do to provide materially for yourself and for your home. Now, I don't know what that would look like for you, but I do know that whatever it looks like, there is a total dependency on his ability to provide that you have to um, lean into, which means you're not going to Abraham and Sarah yourself into producing an Ishmael. You're going to trust in his promise to provide. (laughs) I'm laughing because I just, I am very, I'm very, very comfortable in creating Ishmael's. Well, I know how to do this. I know how to go get clients. I know how to da, 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 da. But what happens when he says, I don't want you to do any more client work, Deanna? Well, how do I make money? How do I pay for private homeschool communities? How do I buy curriculum? How do I prepare for my son's college? <laughs> if you're telling me to stop bringing in this money and, he, and he's probably saying, I'm not telling you that money's not going to come in. I'm telling you not to do that. And the discomfort is, I don't know what you're replacing that with. And he's like, you don't got to know, just know that I'm sending you and I need you to go. (laughs) Uh, uh, 
this is where I'm at today. He's teaching me that he truly is a provider. He's wanting me to know that that's what he is. And he's wanting me to learn him in a new way. God teaches, number one. Number two, God requires radical. Okay, I'm sorry. Let me start that again so I don't rush through these. Let's recap. Number one, God teaches who he is, who he came to save, and who his followers are to be. Number two, God requires radical obedience. Number three, God sins. Number four, God empowers those that he sends. And number five, God will provide when he sends you. That's what I want to record today. I am now very, very late in starting my homework this morning, but I really felt like um, I felt inspired to record this to you. Um, if you wouldn't mind, can you just let me know if this spoke to you, if it resonated with you? Um, if God is telling you something specific as a result of this, I want to hear it because it just, it, it, it gives me wings to keep going. Um, it helps me know that um, I did something out of obedience that is producing fruit. Um, it just, it, it, it gives me the confidence that I'm going in the right direction. And I just want to hear from you anyway. <laughs> I love hearing from you, especially while I'm in this season of like feeling like I'm in like a bubble because all I have time for is school and my family. <laughs> But that's it. Um, I love you. Um, Know that you're loved and we'll chat soon. Bye for now.